This is B-Side, I'm Tamara Keith, and I am at something called E for All, which is a gaming convention, a video gaming convention. Yep. And uh, can you say your name for me? My name is Matt Ward. I'm with Play and Trade Video Games. We're a franchise, we're a national franchise actually, and we're video game stores. Can you describe this for me? This is basically everybody that's obsessed with video games. I've heard of people coming all the way across the country for this. Basically got as many geeks, nerds, everybody. We don't, no one minds being called that here, so it's no big deal, but that's what everybody's doing here. And uh, I hear that you have maybe a slightly not mainstream uh, habit collection. <laughs> Can you describe this for us? Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit obsessive myself, so I've got a video game collection that's somewhere in the six to 7,000 range. I kind of stopped counting at 6,000, but um, it takes up one entire room of my house. And it's all in alphabetical order and by game system. I've been collecting for quite a long time, so uh, it's pretty crazy. People think I'm insane when they see it, but you know, it's what I do, it's what I love. So I guess this next question may be uh, too obvious, but have, have you ever gotten in too deep with the game? <laughs> I would say that all of my family uh, uh, thinks that I'm already in too deep with my buying habits and stuff of video games. I have been known to play video games for several days straight, you know, <laughs> without much, not much sleep. That's probably about as deep as I've gotten into, uh, maybe starting to lose my life. But now I can't do that anymore because I'm married and I've got a daughter, so, <laughs> but I still collect and still play. Have you heard of this game, Star Wars Galaxies? Yes, Star Wars Galaxies is one of those games that's uh, what's called an MMORPG type game. Those are the online games that people, basically it's a virtual world where all the players in it for the most part are actually real people and it's millions of people all playing at once together across the world. So that's one that people really get sucked into. People have literally died in countries because they just forgot to stop playing and didn't eat and drink and just killed over dead. So yeah, those ones are really take your life away. <laughs> Well, we have a story from Aaron Hinken about someone who, who really did get into that game way too deep. John Matchin is a suburban family man. He's got a wife, a young son, a nice house on a quiet street. He's also an unrepentant video game addict. And recently, John bore witness to a total collapse of the boundary between fantasy and reality. It all happened inside an internet video game called Star Wars Galaxies. Star Wars Galaxies is a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. There is a persistent universe in which thousands, conceivably, of players can simultaneously participate in the same environment and interact with one another. Everywhere you go in these, these online universes, you're going to encounter other players. There are thousands of people on at any given time, uh, all of them able to interact with each other on multiple levels. You might all go out together and hunt crate dragons in the deserts of Tatooine, for instance. Or uh, they might form together in a more permanent group called a guild, uh, which is just a, an association of players that work towards their mutual benefit. You know, I help you a little bit, you help me a little bit, etc. We all benefit. There are little smatterings of non-player characters or NPCs sprinkled throughout the game, but again, the majority of the people that you're going to encounter are actually people from conceivably anywhere in the world who have also subscribed to this game, are also logged into the game via their computers at home, and are seeing you in, in much the same way that you are seeing them as a entity within the game itself. From weight, to height, to the explicit design of the face, to the clothing, jewelry, all manner of things that you might adorn a real person with 
All of those things can actually be acquired for your, your in-game uh, persona, your avatar. There are places that they congregate within cities, and then in a smaller sense within specific meeting areas like cantinas, which are effectively like bars. You have the ability to find out with relative ease that there is an entertainer in the city, on the planet that you happen to be in, and that they are presently entertaining in the local cantina, you can go in there, sit down, watch this entertainer if they're a dancer, listen to the entertainer if they're a musician, and have your mind wounds healed that maybe you, uh, you gained from, from battling monsters on some other planet or what have you. John's in-game character is a seven-foot-tall lizard called a Trandoshan. He's acquired enough experience to become a master smuggler these days, he travels from planet to planet, illegally modifying other players' weapons and armor for a price, and selling spice, the Star Wars equivalent of performance-enhancing drugs. He's been playing the game now for nine months straight. When I first started playing the game, I was working for a company, a startup company, that was in the process of sort of winding down. So I had a lot of free time, and we didn't have an office, so I worked out of my home. It was really easy for me to do what little was required of me from, from my job and also play this game simultaneously. So for a while, I would play this game pretty much all day. I would play anywhere from 8 to 16 hours in a day, conceivably, across five or six days out of the week. A goodly number of hours. I mean, enough enough to account for an entire job. And... Eventually, the, the company effectively fell apart, and, and I was laid off. And at the exact same time, a friend of mine who I just and, and co-worker who I just introduced to the game also was laid off. So we found ourselves with even more free time than we had before. Now, I, being a family man, was a little bit more motivated to get work right away. Uh, this gentleman is, is single and was in a position to sort of decompress from the layoff experience before seeking new employment. So he really immersed himself in the game. You know, I, I've been playing now for nine months this game. This gentleman was spending every waking hour in this game. And, and of course, again, I, I knew him in real life, which is abbreviated in-game as RL. You'll constantly hear people reference RL in the games. But I knew him in real life, and, the, and so the two of us were naturally given to hang out and kill things together or what have you in the game. And, and it was also a natural thing that the, the player association that I ended up joining, the guild that I ended up joining, he, he joined as well. Well, after a time, another character that he had met came into the guild, and this other character, a female character was someone that he had been spending a reasonable amount of time with outside of the guild. And then, of course, once she joined, inside of the guild. And the, the two of them started becoming more or less attached to each other, at least in game. I mean, whenever you saw one of them, you almost inevitably saw the other, or they were asking where the other one was. And they would go fight things together. Uh, they would emote and let me explain a little bit what emoting means. The, you have the ability to type numerous commands that cause your character to act out something like a hug or a kiss or holding hands or laughing or vomiting or what have you. 
They would emote little affectionate gestures like hugs and hand-holding and kisses and that sort of thing. And eventually, this relationship that they were forming actually extended to the point where they they decided to have an in-game wedding. (laughs) The in-game wedding was rather elaborate. They they actually had a, a real genuine service in the game. There was a reception. I was the best lizard. There was cake, refreshments of various kinds, and a receiving line afterwards, and wedding gifts, all these crazy details. In fact, I I, I used the fact that, that this wedding had taken place to out-geek one of my coworkers at my new job when they, they said that they had done something that was geeky. And I said, yeah, well, I just attended a, a wedding in a video game, and I won, of course, hands down. Well, the newlyweds were getting relatively involved, as much as you can without meeting face-to-face. No phone calls, but they were exchanging emails and sharing intimate details about their lives with each other. This went on for a few months, and then John's friend, the Cyber Groom, whose in-game name, by the way, was Zybo, he decided that it was actually time for him to start looking for a job again. He didn't have the level of time to commit to the game anymore that he once had and likewise did not feel like he had the time to commit to a relationship that was strictly virtual anymore. So he started expressing his feelings about bringing the relationship either to the next step or terminating it. And he starts trying to get her to do things like talk to him on the phone uh, meet up with him somewhere, either meet up with him where he lives, which is in one time zone, or where she lives, which is two time zones away. She's resistant to this, and it's not so much that she has any particular reason for not wanting to meet him, she just has a lot of excuses. So the groom, Zybo, basically calls the relationship off. His cyber wife, whose name is Mincy, doesn't take this very well at all. There's kind of a big row over it in their virtual circle of friends. Mincy begins approaching other players in the guild and saying that Zybo has been stalking her. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. In addition to meeting Mincy, Zybo also met Mincy's roommate, who had a character in the game called Sparrow. Because Sparrow was Mincy's roommate and because Zybo was virtually dating Mincy, he, of course, felt like it would be a good idea to, to be relatively friendly with Sparrow. So he, he started striking up a regular dialogue with her, and they, they exchanged communications in-game, and then eventually emails outside of the game. So the relationship between Mincy and Zybo is completely broken down after a while, and they, they're, they're no longer talking to each other. But Sparrow and Zybo still are. Even though Sparrow isn't really playing the game anymore, Sparrow's been sending emails back and forth with Zybo, and you know they're, they're finding that they have some things in common. They're, they're both in the same general professional area of IT, and they're getting along better and better. Okay, fast forward about three months now. Things are going pretty well for Zybo. He's got a job. He's pretty well weaned himself off the video game. His emotionally unstable cyber wife, Mincy, has dropped out of the picture, and Zybo is enjoying a steady email correspondence with the former cyber spouse's real-life roommate, Sparrow. Until one day, 
he gets an urgent email from Sparrow asking for his phone number, saying there's something she needs to talk to him about right away. Zybo is, needless to say, intrigued by this and emails off his cell phone number to Sparrow and not really knowing what to expect in terms of, of what she has to say. And shortly after that, gets a phone call. And this is where things start to get a little strange. One of the first things to come out of Sparrow's mouth is, Mincy is a guy. Now, obviously, Mincy in the game is represented as a female character, not only physically or apparently, but also personality-wise. The whole role-playing persona that the person who is playing Mincy has put forth is of a, a, a female, both in-game and out-of-game. Well, Sparrow goes on to explain that not only is Mincy a guy, but that every personal detail that Mincy has shared with Zybo outside of the game has been a lie. For instance, Mincy gave Zybo a name, his, her, whatever you want. <laughs> the, the gender bending gets a little confusing here, but Mincy gave a name for him herself. That name actually turns out to be the name of Mincy's real-life daughter. Sparrow is not, in fact, a roommate of Mincy, but in fact, now at least, his ex-girlfriend. The personality that Mincy has been putting forth in-game is borrowed or adopted from Sparrow. He's observing her reactions to things in real life and using that as fodder for producing realistic responses in-game to other players. Apparently, as the relationship between Zybo and Mincy was falling apart, Mincy had made numerous efforts to convince Sparrow to participate in the lie by, and this is really mind-boggling to me, by actually getting Sparrow to telephone Zybo and actually pretend to be Mincy. So here's this guy who in real life is a man with a girlfriend playing female characters in video games that he is putting forth as if they are played by actual females in real life, who is trying to convince his girlfriend to be the non-existent person that he is claiming to be in real life interactions with another person who is completely ignorant of all of this. And it did not just stop with attempts to get Sparrow to phone Zybo, but actually Mincy attempted to arrange physical meetings between the two of them. To what end? God only knows. I mean, did he want them to have some sort of sexual interaction and then describe it to him? God only knows. It's, it's, it's a very twisted and, and voyeuristic nightmare. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's difficult to wrap your head around. To bring us up to the present, the point at which Sparrow actually phoned Zybo was when her refusal to continue to participate in Mincy's lie turned into a physical confrontation. Sparrow ultimately escaped her abusive relationship and moved across the country to live with Zybo. The two of them are now happily coexisting in a real-life home together and working as IT professionals on the East Coast. John has recently spent some real-life time with Zybo and his new girlfriend, Sparrow. He says they make a nice couple, they seem happy, 
but he just feels like he can't entirely trust Sparrow. Any number of strange things could be going on at this point. The Mincy character could be in cahoots with this other character. They could be pulling some sort of scam. She may be looking for access to his financial information. She may, in fact, be this person. The whole thing may be an elaborate ruse. The real difficulty with this situation is that it is nearly impossible to separate the the reality from the fiction. In the meantime, John continues to play Star Wars Galaxies, and reality and fiction continue to get harder and harder to tell apart. A few weeks ago, John was witness to a private bid on eBay. Someone was auctioning off the code for their character's Jedi status, the most coveted prize in the video game. The winning bid? 15,000 real American Earth dollars. I'm Tamara Keith, this is B-Side, and we are at the E for All Gaming Convention, the Los Angeles Convention Center. And um, Tom, can you uh, tell me what this is? Sure, I'm with Novant Technologies, and we're selling the Novant Falcon. And so the Falcon is a 3D touch device, so let's use a sense of touch in the computer. And this is a shooting game here. Can you describe the game for me? This game, what you do is you, uh, you navigate around, aim around with the Falcon, and then when you shoot, you feel the recoil of the gun. So for example, I take a shot, I feel the kick, you feel, hear the sound. Um, you know, you feel it um, aim back towards you, kick back towards you when you're aiming right, left, up, and down, just like real life. If you use a bigger gun, it gives a bigger kick. You know, here you can really feel it kick and, and knock your, your hand back. I'll come around here and uh, you can shoot these robots that come and fly at you. When they hit you, you feel it as well. So you, you feel like you're in the game being attacked, you know, when, when everything's shooting and attacking you and hitting you. So, can I try it? Sure. Alright, now hold on to it tight. This is a big gun. Okay. <laughs> you can really feel it. Yeah, there's a real kick. Alright, so now I'll move you forward, aim over towards the door. Then here's a machine gun. the crosshair uh, towards them and then you can shoot at them. Oh, oh you're down. I think I'm dead. <laughs> Do you remember the game Duck Hunt? Yeah, I played it a bunch. So this is taking it way further. Yeah, and this you actually feel the recoil and it's much more precise. You know, it really gives you an accurate sense, making you feel like you're inside the game. We have a story now from David Shirtliff, who went on a quest actually to find out the truth about Duck Hunt. Remember that terrible video game when we were kids called Duck Hunt? Well, yeah, of course you do. It practically came free with every 8-bit Nintendo console ever sold. It also came with a bulky magical gun appropriately named the Zapper. And this is the root of my lifelong question. How on earth did that thing work? I mean, how did the Nintendo know where you were aiming the gun? Like me, you've slaughtered countless digital ducks with this thing, but you probably haven't thought of it for years. So let's take a trip back to 1987. Your dad probably has a big mustache. Your mom's glasses are enormous, and there's some man on the radio telling whoever's listening to never ever stop believing. You blow some air into the duck hunt cartridge and unceremoniously cram it into the console. You plug in the zapper and sit a couple feet from the screen. 
Your hunting partner, some kind of pixely-looking dog, runs into view. And suddenly, here come the ducks. You hold the zapper firmly in your sweaty palms. You fire off all three rounds, but you hit nothing. To make things worse, your hunting dog reappears from behind the bushes. No, not to offer comfort or barks of encouragement, but rather to dish out a taunting laugh which haunted our young dreams. Twenty years later, we are still left to wonder, how did that zapper gun work? There was no sensor placed on top of the television. I mean, you could just plug in the gun like a normal controller and blast away. 80s technology wouldn't have allowed for some kind of tilt sensing mechanism, and even if it did, how would the Nintendo know how far away from the TV you were sitting? Well, now at age 25, the mystery behind the zapper still kinda bothered me. So, like all good journalists, I went to my most trustworthy source, a little friend named Google. It seemed strange that I would have to turn to technology that didn't even exist during the days of Duck Hunt to solve its greatest mystery, but I guess the irony was lost in the excitement of the moment. Sadly, it turns out the way the zapper worked was actually kind of simple. Every time you pulled the trigger, the entire screen would flash to black for a millisecond, but the area over the ducks would stay white. I guess some mirror in the gun would then sense the change in reflected light, and boom! The ducks would fall out of the sky. How disappointing. I mean, it's not finding out that Santa Claus or American Gladiators were fake, but it's certainly right up there. I guess I was just expecting more... magic. That was B-Side's David Shirtliff. I'm Tamara Keith, and I'm at the e for all gaming convention. It's a video game convention. And I'll admit that I am pretty much completely overwhelmed. <laughs> But we're going to continue on. We're going to try to play some more of these games. And we have some more stories, too, including one about a game that was popular back when our grandparents were young. So please stay with us for the second half of B-Side. And in the meantime, go check out our website. It's bsideradio.org, the letter B-S-I-D-E radio.org. There you can find a video of our adventures here today. <laughs> 